the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. With Easter coming up, I made the mistake of talking to my sugar mugger and saying, what are we doing for Thanksgiving? Whoops. And I'll tell you what I'm doing for Thanksgiving. I'm being very thankful of the stock market right now. It's an odd thing to say out loud, but bad news in the economy means good news for Americans building wealth. So if you're that 30-year-old, 35-year-old, 40-year-old who hasn't started investing, a stock market correction, a stock market moving sideways could very well be the best thing that has ever happened to you. In large part, when the markets are down 10 to 15%, when stocks are down, well, income stocks are down 10%, growth stocks are down 40 to 60%, you can find some amazing values. I don't want most people doing individual stocks. I want most people doing indexes and living their lives. I've seen way too much wealth destroyed over people trying to do what I do in the industry that I work in, and I get it. But let me repeat to you, what am I thankful for? I'm thankful for a down market because through the years, I've learned some like basic phrases, and we create more wealth when things are on discount, when things are on sale than they're at 52-week highs. Let me give you just a small example. Last year, when I checked my portfolio, we had 70 new highs on a regular basis in the S&P 500. I'd be like, oh, I just went from, and I'm going to make up a number here. Ah, I hate doing this. I just went from X plus X plus 1%. Now, you could fill in that number with 10 million, 15 million, 20 million, 5 million, 1 million. When the market would creep up, I felt like my wealth was slowly getting to those bigger numbers. Now I'm down 10%. Oh, and it sucks. But to be honest with you, I'm not retired. And if this time next year, or this time in six months from now, or this time two years from now, we're talking about all-time highs, I'll be like, woohoo, remember that time I bought 10% lower? I got a big chunk of return on that. And remember when my stocks fell in value 10%? They came right back. And that 10% will feel like a much bigger win. You create a lot of wealth in down markets. Now, again, it's easy to do bad during down markets or sideways markets. Um, I would not own a stock right now that's, that's hemorrhaging money, personally. I would not own a stock. Like Roku is a problem for me. They have huge revenue. They've got great market share, but they're not nearly as profitable as they need to be for that revenue. So I'm saying, nope. But I'm looking at Amazon, and did you, you want to hear the craziest stat you're going to hear today? And if this doesn't freak you out, let me give you a, a soft pitch. Then I'm going to give you the fast blow-by pitch right after it. The digital ad market's going to hit a 15-year record in 2021. Okay, 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 okay. What's that mean? You don't really have to read too much into it. Digital advertisers are a big winner from the phenomenon of um, COVID and a huge demand created by COVID. U.S. digital ad revenues rose 35% to $189 billion last year as marketers sought out record number of consumers' eyeballs glued to their screens. 
The U.S. e-commerce sales last year totaled $870 billion, more than the GDP of Switzerland, and a 14% increase from 2020. There's huge winners like DoorDash, Walmart, CVS, but there's even bigger winners like Amazon. Okay, so that was the soft pitch. Ad revenue is up 35%, hitting 15-year record in advertising. And here's the fast pitch. This one's going to freak you out when I say this, I hope. Amazon's going to account for nearly 40% of the total U.S. retail e-commerce sales in 2022. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, I get it. That bodes well for their future. When you get market share that high, it bodes really, really well. So in those years where the markets are down, look at some of your favorite names, some of the names you always wanted to own, some of the indexes that you always wanted exposure to. I don't own anything. I don't, I don't want to say, I want to be careful on how I say this. Kathy Wood, she does ARK Innovations Fund. I think she's a very, very bright lady, but she's getting criticism that I think is fair. And she's answering it very nervously. Um, she's 66 years old and doesn't really have a succession plan. She hires young analysts who've never, ever really been through recessions or pullbacks. She invests in disrupting companies. And when asked about why don't you have any MBAs on your staff, she's like, well, it's a lot easier to teach a brain surgeon how to pick stocks than it is to pick, have a stock picker become a brain surgeon. I'm like, that's not really an answer, but okay, I'll, I'll grant you that. But she did say one thing smart recently. She said, look at my five-year track record. I've thumped the markets. Everyone's focused in the last year, down 50%. I just don't like wars like that. To me, that's a civil war. Kathy Woods, is she too old? Is she investing in companies with long-term or is she relying on her, um, how shall we say, luck, timing of getting involved in innovation stocks like Zoom and then the pandemic hits and it skyrockets higher for you. I just don't like it. It's too much drama for me. I like to save the drama for my mama. My mama's dead. No, I like to save the lava... I like to save the drama for the Dalai Lama. There you go, because he's a cool guy here. I know you're saying, did you just call the Lama? Cool. I kind of did. So let's think about some of the other stories out there at this point in time. Yesterday was a positive day to start, a negative day to end. Couldn't hold on to the gains. This is going to be a long year of talking about inflation. We're about a third through the year. So we've probably got another three to six months of talking about horrific numbers, but we started seeing inflation spike in the last quarter of 2021. So the comparables will start to get easier. We will not be seeing inflation up 9% next year at this time. In all likelihood, unless something really, really goes wrong. Yesterday, a gunman released a smoke grenade and shot 10 commuters on a Brooklyn subway train during the rush hour commute. Um, that's all I can say on that. Stocks blew a lead yesterday for a third straight losing session on the NASDAQ and SP 500. That inflation report on consumers and today's inflation report on producers. It's not good. When you're talking about inflation between seven and 9% for either the consumer or the producer, those costs have to be, uh, again, 
uh, cost of steak, cost of chicken, cost of rice, cost of eggs. Okay, I've just hit every American, right? Um, then you start getting new cars, used cars. Yeah. You get where this is going. Inflation's nasty. And rarely does it work itself backwards after it's worked itself up. It can go sideways, but rarely does it regress to the mean. Gasoline prices skyrocketed 48%, accounting for half the monthly increase in inflation. Fruity pebbles are now their new reserve currency because cereal prices jumped 9.2%. Meat prices up 14.8%. Clothing up 14.5%. So wedding season's here, right? And as we get married and go into the chapel, we have to wear a nice suit. And a nice suit's costing at 10, 15% more than it did last year. So supply chains smooth out. I think Americans pulling back on spending. That's the cure for high prices, high prices and inflation. We'll be okay. Again, a crazy amount of wealth is created during market pullbacks and sideways markets. Um, if you believe that capitalism is still alive and well, that, that's, that may be a question, right? You can find me online at robblackshow.com. An education first approach to managing your money. This is the Rob Black Show. Thanks for listening to the show. Let's get to a lot of content, just fast, easy, digestible thoughts. Hopefully it'll make you a slightly better investor when you start seeing the world the way I do. Everything has a cost. Um, Krispy Kreme Donuts ties donut deal to gas prices. Like what? This is brilliant marketing. After record high gas prices in March, there's finally some relief at the pump. Some restaurant chains and gas stations have now limited time deals with the goal of providing additional relief from the high price of inflation kicking in on their products. Krispy Kreme is offering a dozen original glazed donuts for the price of a gallon of gas which it calls donut deflation. I call it heart attack waiting to happen. I call it bread in a jacuzzi of hot grease. Whatever you want to call it, the national average for gasoline is $4.11. So you can go get a dozen of donuts for $4.11. That's nuts. I don't even understand why that's a story, but it's great marketing. And it shows you what's on everyone's mind right now, high gas prices. How can we take advantage of it? I think if I wanted to point my kids to Krispy Kreme, I think they could take advantage of it. Speaking of pointing your kids, the Kushners took $2 billion from Saudi Arabia for an investment fund. It just feels bad to me because I'm kind of getting just, no, I'm not kind of, I got over this 10 years ago. I don't need to hear about Joe Biden's son. I don't need to hear about Donald Trump's kids. If a genie were to come to get me and give me three wishes, I would waste one on let's clean up news. Let's get rid of the, the, the noise and the silliness and just admit our politicians are corrupt and our, our, it's just a problem. You know, the, the, what was it? Seven of the last 11 elected officials in New York somehow have been indicted into crimes in the governor's office. Like, how is that possible? We thought Chicago was bad. So I would waste a wish on let's clean up news because it's just sidetracking noise here's one that's kind of sad kmart once a retail powerhouse now just has a handful of stores left not ever able to take advantage of that rain man 
uh, Kmart dirty underwear thing that was happening. And you're saying, what? Why would they take advantage of that? Well, if, if Krispy Kreme could take advantage of high gas prices, certainly would have thought we would have seen an ad of definitely going to Kmart. Never, ever saw it. So what's interesting about Kmart was the 1950s and the 1960s, they set up an incredible strategy of we're going to hire smart people from college who have business degrees to run our retail stores because the good old days, the general store and the local mom and pops, it's, it's too local. It's too, we can be outsmart them. So Kmart hired a lot of, of Harvard and Yale types. And they once had over 2,000 stores. Their goal was to set up in big metropolitan areas like New York City, Chicago, Los Angeles, where Walmart came along and said, you know, we could do something a little bit differently. Let's go to the suburbs. So Kmart started copying Walmart by going to the suburbs. Walmart said, we're going to do suburbs, but we're also going to hire managers that are more data analysis driven think computers in the 50s and 60s so quickly walmart learned that if there was a strong need for feminine products like when it happens it happens you got to staff the store moderately all the time in that department but people tend to get sneakers on the weekend they tend to get dog food on the weekdays where they run out of dog food cigarettes so they they knew how to lure customers with good customer support um, that's what Walmart did and they did it really, really well. And then they set up a, a warehouse situation in the middle of eight stores. So if you think of an octagon right in the middle of that was a warehouse and there was eight stores it was feeding into as he spoke and hub kind of scenario. This isn't great. This isn't amazing. Um, this isn't groundbreaking, but it is kind of sad that we, we, Kmart went from the big cities into the suburbs. Walmart started with the suburbs, never really cared about the big cities. They tried to get open some micro stores in big cities. Nothing really came of it. And then Walmart had the lower prices and Target had the trendier offerings. Kmart went chapter 11. I bring it up because that's my eulogy for Kmart. I probably don't ever have to do it again. Maybe in the future when I got a whip smart producer, we can start playing some death music and, uh, do some dirges and, and do a proper eulogy when companies die. But Kmart's essentially on life support to the point that we're just going to walk away. They'll be dead soon enough. Speaking of falling apart, lumber prices fell to fresh 2022 lows as a spike in mortgage rates has cooled housing demand. So we should stop seeing a massive spike in prices for homes because we've seen the cost of homes go higher with the cost of mortgages going higher. And yet, I think the one thing that we really need to see happen, and I, I know this sounds horrible to say, if we want inflation to go away, we need to see higher rates to kill the, the, the normal people, but we also need a stock market crash. We need a pullback. We need some damage done to it. We need shaken confidence. I bought a home last year with stock appreciation, not with income. And it was a two to $3 million home with stock appreciation, not with income. Now, there's some income supporting a very small mortgage, but not bad. Like, 
we need me to get beat up because last year in my real estate, I was making more monthly than I was losing a lot more last year in my stocks. I was making more than losing a lot more. My income was pretty steady. It didn't go up. It didn't go down. So inflation's a funny thing. You need to take me out. You need to think about the person that has a Bugatti or a person has a McLaren that you're like, how do they get that? Stock appreciation, not income, stock appreciation, equity. It's not real. It's kind of real, but it's not real. Lumber prices fell to fresh 2022 lows yesterday as rising interest rates uh, and inflation cooled out in the housing market. So here's the thing. Lumber prices are falling. They fell 6% yesterday. Now, remember when we're talking about CPI and PPI inflation and we're bothered by those kind of numbers? We're starting to see it fall. We're starting to see some of the commodities fall. Now, again, is it over? Nope. But it's good to see. Um, so when my spouse said, what do you want to do for, when I said, what do you want to do for Thanksgiving? She goes, you mean Easter? I'm like, yeah, where am I? Uh, she says one last Easter egg hunt for the kids. I'm like, nah, maybe egg prices are up for Easter and Passover because of a bird flu and inflation. Wait, wait, we've had bird flu and that's not cracking the news. Get the joke cracking. Consumer price index, which measures the average change paid by consumers for goods, leaped 8.5%, but eggs were up huge, 11.2%. So you're going to go get a dozen for 255 What are you going to get? Um, I don't know. It's up to you to figure this out. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. Due to a snafu, I haven't been able to talk to Patrick O'Hare for the past couple of weeks. He did his spring break, then I did my spring break, so we've missed each other. I'm excited to get caught up because it's been, eh, to say the least, a little bit volatile to down since we last talked. January and February started off negative for the year. March was looking bad, then March turned around, and now we're into April. Let's talk about it. Patrick O'Hare, briefing.com. How are you, sir? Hey, Rob. I'm doing well. Welcome back uh, to you as, as well here. Good to talk to you yes. again. We're creeping in on Easter. The year is a third to a fourth the way over. Um, inflation's still the story. It looks like it's going to be the story of 2022 before it starts to abate maybe this fall. Um, peak inflation was one of the words you used in your morning commentary this morning on page one. Um, how, let's talk inflation. I just, I've been talking a lot of inflation on the air recently. So you give me your take on what you're seeing. Sure. Well, I mean, it is the topic du jour, certainly, and uh, and it's something that resonates because we can all see it and feel it. Um, and the reports we saw uh, yesterday in the Consumer Price Index report and the one we see uh, today in the Producer Price Index report, um, you know, if you look further down in those um, in those numbers and the accompanying tables, I mean, you see a lot of double-digit percentage increases across most categories on a year-over-year basis. So inflation is here, it's real, and it's broad-based. And uh, in terms of, you know, thinking about it or talking about it in the peak inflation narrative, um, of course, we've heard that before, right? Um, we've we've heard, you know, uh, probably for the past five months leading up to this report that, hey, that, that one was the peak, you know, we're near the peak and things are going to roll over and that hasn't happened yet. So, um, 
granted, some of the just comparison math is going to help uh, as we move forward here. Um, but the idea is, or the, maybe the concern is, and, and what is also a great source of uncertainty is that even if we're at peak inflation, you know, where do you ultimately come back down to and how quickly, right? I mean, if we uh, say plateau in a six to 7% range, um, is that really a good thing? You know, arguably no. Um, and I would add that, you know, what China's doing in terms of locking things down uh, in its country to try to control the spread of COVID, that's not, that's not helping on the logistics and the supply chain front. So, um, you know, so the inflation factor is likely to persist here, which is, you know, obviously a key reason why the Fed uh, is going to have to be aggressive to try and uh, get it back in check. I was doing an interview yesterday with a market analyst and I said, didn't we overdo it with stimulus? Did we give too much money away? Is that part of the problem the Fed's fighting? Uh, did it have to be trillions and trillions under Biden and under Trump? And he goes, no, 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 don't say that. It was interesting because it was like one of those topics that he didn't want me to say it was bad. It, I, it's tough for me to try to explain to you, but we haven't seen this type of inflation before. I don't think it's supply side driven. It is demand, lots of demand, not enough supply, supply disruptions. All of this should fix itself but it's leaving a lot of people very perplexed and, and not wanting to point fingers. Yeah, and, and one of the things that might be an underappreciated risk, though, too, is that because we haven't seen this type of inflation <clears throat> for uh, for such a long time, and just in terms of the absolute numbers, right, that's hasn't seen it since the 80s. Uh, but And what you're pointing out is, is certainly a, a very good point, Rob. I mean, it's a supply-driven type of inflation here. But um, but one of the underappreciated risks, I think, is that because inflation was so low for so long and companies didn't have any real pricing power for for so long, um, they have it now, right? And it's and, it, and they think it's like kind of like uh, I don't know, toying is the right word, but it's it's kind of just like teasing the uh, just how far consumers will will go to to agree to those price increases, and I don't think they're just going to back off of them so quickly here, uh, especially not with, you know, uh, costs for, you know, raw materials uh, so elevated uh, and costs for transportation so elevated. I mean, it's, it, it's going to be a delicate dance here uh, for companies to figure out just how much they can, you know, afford to raise prices um, at the sake of preserving some profit margins or where they're actually going to take a hit and maybe try to back down on prices and, and, and eat some of those, uh, some of their own Cost uh, to a greater degree, and and so that's adding a, a real strong element of uncertainty to the earnings growth outlook, um, and it's something that we think really is is a key factor uh, that uh, we think consumers will become more price resistant here uh, in coming months, and that's going to you know clip away at some of those profit margins, and and why we think earnings estimates really for 2022 are, are still too high. I don't want to get too personal here, but you had a week off. I had a week off on my week off. I traveled and I saw a shortage of staff on the airlines. I saw a shortage of staff at the hotels. I saw food prices crazy. Um, I saw a steak for $82 and it was just a steak. It wasn't like a steak that's been massaged since it was a baby calf. It was just a steak. Um, and then I got back and I got groceries for my family. And I think I paid $450 for about three days of groceries, the most I've ever paid. 
Um, so yeah. it's really hitting me and I'm really seeing it. I'm not, I'm no longer locked in my COVID cave. I'm out there in the world seeing it. Did you see any inflation when you took a little time off? Uh, yes, definitely. Um, you know, I have a family of six um, and we actually, we drove uh, for, for our vacation. So um, I was very interested because living here in Chicago, we obviously have, you know, super high gas taxes. And, and so our, our average, you know, uh, cost of a gallon of gasoline is pretty high uh, compared to a lot of other places. But as we were driving south, I was waiting to see just how much, you know, lower it might go. And there wasn't a huge, really, price differential that, you know, that I could pick up on. Um, yes, things were a little less expensive as we moved our way into some southern states, but uh, it was still, you know, um, very expensive in terms of driving uh, anywhere long distance. And then, of course, uh, like you're alluding to, just in terms of food costs, um, certainly elevated. Um, and, uh, and, and just like you, and I think just like everybody else, uh, anyone who takes a trip to the grocery store, uh, is, you know, is seeing it right there in front of them that, you know, things are, are more, more costly. Switching gears, you talked about earnings season and this week we get the banks, the banks and healthcare should benefit from rising interest rates as we spread our wealth focus, not just on big tech companies, but other areas that, that have earnings and, and visibility, uh, what are you expecting from this earnings season? Because um, I, I would say the next leg up or down could hinge on on what your answer is. Right. Um, well, we wrote or uh, I published uh, to the big picture column uh, a piece on uh, this past Friday, uh, just labeled titled, you know, don't expect the earnings estimate trend to remain the market's friend. Um, and I'm sorry, it's a somewhat caustic sounding headline and commentary, um, but uh, I think, you know, what we're likely to hear out of this reporting season is that, you know, Q1 earnings probably come in better than expected, but I think we'll probably see a lower uh, average beat rate than what we've seen in, in more recent quarters. Um, I mean, we've seen, you know, uh, earnings come in 8, 9, 10 plus percent above what the consensus estimate was ahead of the quarter. I think it's going to be more, you know, maybe uh, lower to mid single digit here. And then on top of that, though, uh, the concern is that we're going to hear companies, I think, sound a, a much more uh, be much more cautious sounding as it relates to the full year outlook. Um, you know, we saw this morning, of course, Delta Airlines say some really nice things about the second quarter. Uh, even uh, J.P. Morgan CEO Jamie Dimon, you know, said he's optimistic about the short term, uh, but he, you know, recognized that there's significant geopolitical and economic challenges ahead because of the high inflation, the war in Ukraine, um, and then the Fed, of course, uh, pulling back from its uh, policy accommodation. And so uh, I think we're going to hear more uh, more commentary along the lines of what Mr. Diamond was alluding to, is just that it's uh, it, it, you'll probably see a little bit you know, just more conservative sounding um, commentary that and potentially, uh, you know, more downward earnings revisions to estimates uh, than we've seen historically here. Uh, and that should help uh, or should probably contribute to some uh, reduction in those 2022 earnings estimates that uh, have actually been climbing <laughs> in recent weeks. Uh, remarkably, probably due in large part to the contribution from the energy sector, which is going to report huge earnings. Um, but uh, in general, um, uh, you know, we think that the number is still too high because we think, you know, companies are going to continue to, are going to come under increasing pressure with respect to uh, their profit margins. 
Thank you very much. It's Patrick O'Hare. In future episodes, I want to hear about your family vacation because it sounds like you might have driven to Florida, which with a family of six had to be entertaining. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com. He's my favorite weekly interview that I've done for 20 plus years. He's fantastic. Stocking, talking about what's happening in inflation page one, you got to kind of grasp the stuff and, and slowly ease yourself into it because we haven't had to talk about inflation for so many years. Um, of note, inflation works in funny ways. Delta raised prices. Um, they didn't get hit with all the fuel price increases thus, and they had a pretty good quarter. Shares are up. So you can navigate this if you look for it. Uh, Patrick O'Hare is with Briefy.com, a reliable source of domestic and international news. You can find him online at briefing.com. The IEA cut its oil demand forecast because of China's lockdown. Hmm, that's not helping world growth. U.S. mortgage bankers expect overall mortgage originations to climb 35% year over year in 2022. That's a stunner. Watch out, housing. We'll talk about that and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find us at robblackshow.com. Robblackshow.com. Consumer prices are higher by 8.5%. Produce- I said consumer prices are up by 8.5%. Producers are up by over 11%. That's high inflation. That won't be the case this time a year from now. Maybe we'll be talking up another 2 to 3%, maybe 4%, more than the norm of what we want to see. Inflation is not the boogeyman. Rampant inflation is the boogeyman, just like rampant deflation is the boogeyman. You want moderation and moderation. You do want the producers to make a little bit more money and charge a little bit more for their goods. You do want the people pulling the commodities off, out of the ground and out of the earth to make a little bit more money. But in moderation, California is pushing for a 32-hour work week at larger companies as part of the pandemic-driven shift. I don't know. This seems to be fraught with problems. There's a lot of companies that can't do that. Um, there's a lot of negotiated contract laws. Uh, for instance, I'm contracted to do 50 weeks a year of radio, essentially. I could pre-record. I can get away with some ways of hiding that but i can't just suddenly go okay let's cut 20 percent of my work they're not gonna go for that so and i'm not making this about me i'm just saying i don't know if this law is as easy to get through as people think it's gonna be we'll see and again i, I think california is progressive in not a bad way in just it is what it is and it has some winners and it has some losers in being progressive um, i remember before i moved out to the bay area when I was on the East Coast, we would look at Californians and go, oh, yeah, yeah, you're charging for plastic bags. People are bringing cloth bags. We got enough plastic to go around, save the cloth. We laughed at you. And now it's like the norm in the world. Not really, because COVID brought plastic back. You couldn't bring your own bags to store, but we'll see. We'll see. You see where I'm going to have this. Uh, Panera Bread's testing automated coffee. I bring this up because Chipotle Mexican Grill, White Castle, Inspire Brands, McDonald's, and others are also testing more robotics in fast food. Now, again, you get robotics in like car making. You get robotics, you get it. But making coffee? That's going to wake up a lot of people on the East Coast. I went to San Francisco for a vacation and I saw a robot make a pizza. <laughs> what a movie. Um. Krispy Kreme selling donut prices or setting donut prices for a dozen to the price of 
gas. I think that's brilliant marketing. Um, this was a stunning stat that I only got to quickly hit and run on. But mortgage bankers expect overall mortgage registrations to decline 35% year over year. That should lead to fewer bidders on properties. And it should lead to more homes coming up for sale as people go, well, maybe we hit peak for this cycle of real estate. If I were a betting man and I'm not a betting man and I'm not telling you to do this, I would say a lot of the markets in the United States, maybe 75% of them probably have hit peak real estate values or pretty darn close over kind of like a four or five month blanket between the last two months, the next two or three. Do I think we'll hit all-time highs in real estate prices three to five years from now? I do. Do I think we deserve a little bit of a break and our mortgage is telling us that? I do. I know you're saying, what's up with the I do? Pamela Anderson once went from earning $6.6 million a year to being flat out broke. She's an interesting story. She's getting a lot of press from the Pam and Tommy miniseries. So she's doing a lot of the media hike around town. I bring it up because you probably look at football players and you probably look at baseball players and probably look at Pamela Anderson at her height, making 6.6 million a year to being flat out broke. California is an expensive state to live in. And if you're not on the cover of Playboy and on TV shows like Baywatch, you better get out of this state because you cannot live like a multimillionaire with the taxes that are thrown at multimillionaires. Uh, when I leave media, I probably will take a residency in another state just to cut my tax exposure. I may keep my residency in California 49% and go 51% in another state. And I, I feel like I'm an Elon Musk. I feel like a trader. But I'll be honest with you. I've stayed in California in thick and thin. So maybe I'll, we'll see where we go. Um, but Anderson has several projects in the works right now, continuing to bring in money. She's going to bring a new documentary to Netflix. It's going to tell her side of the Pam and Tommy story. And I know we're saying, wait, wait, Pam and Tommy, how is that media? <laughs> I know she was a pop culture icon. Never my thing. Um, but I just bring it up because there was a ton of debt. <sighs> Financial issues can get, can creep up on your lifestyle. If it can happen to Pamela Lee Anderson, it can happen to you. I know you're saying, did you just say that out loud? Yeah, I kind of did. Um, TV hates rich people. Have you noticed? So that show Succession is fantastic. I, I want my producer to, to get this today, the soundtrack from Succession. And every time I talk about how wealthy I am or how I've done well in life, I want him to start playing it under me. Because uh, that first song, that inspires just hatred. And it, it sounds so haunting to be either in the show Succession or Billions or Empire. They're workplace dramas at their core, but they're also, we hate rich people. So, and we went through a period of time in TV where we loved average people, The Simpsons, Marge and Homer, married with children. Um, now we get succession in billions. I don't know what that tells us, but I'm sure a sociologist will tell us something there. Yes. Um, renting an apartment versus owning a home. I don't have enough time to finish this segment, so I'll carry it over. But I'll say, if I were to give you my bottom line on it, Renting versus owning, do what you are comfortable with. Don't bite off more than you can chew. I once ate a piece of London broil that was 
too big. I almost choked to death on it. Be comfortable with what you're digesting financially. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.